Have you ever heard a sermon in this parable before? Uh, probably most people haven't. It needs very careful interpretation, or we can all go away with the wrong idea. The wrong messages can be very easily taken from this if we just take some of the words absolutely literally. It's a parable about a set of rascals. It's a parable about financial dodgy dealing. So there was obviously all of that going on at the time of Jesus, just as there still is today. Um, just a little bit of background before we go into it, so it make it easier for us. When we talk about, we don't like to talk about money, do we? We usually just bypass that subject. Just It's not a subject we like to discuss with people, especially in the church. Sometimes the church is just accused of always thinking of money. But in many of Jesus' parables, Jesus talks about money. There are something like 38 parables in the New Testament, and 16 of them uh, have some reference to money in them. It's an important part of life. And many of these parables are not addressed to rich people, but to poor people. They're not addressed to people who are very wealthy and have a huge amount of money. They're addressed to the ordinary people. The love of money is not a problem that's confined only to the rich. And the older translations, if you look up some of them, they use the word mammon instead of money, which is a a bit more of a connotation of where your trust is. Your money is where you put your trust. It's associated with a greedy pursuit of gain. So Jesus is asking in one sense here, where does your trust lie? In money, in mammon, or in God? And this word mammon, when it's used in the Bible, often has a a negative connotation. Money itself, as we know, is not evil. It's good. We can do much good with it. We we like it. We we enjoy it. But the love or the pursuit of money, particularly when it's above other important things, is... uh, is often something that causes us problems. In fact, Paul, when he was writing to Timothy, he reminded us of these words, the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. And in this parable, Jesus talks about two groups of people. He talks about people of this world. And it's, by that, he just means people who have no thought about God. They just live their lives without thought of God. We know lots of people like that. But most people in our country are like that just now. And he talks about people of the light, people who live according to the teaching of Scripture and what Jesus has taught. So today, just to make that easier, we'll just call them believers and unbelievers so that we know what we're talking about. And Jesus tells believers to use the money they have rather than be used by it. Money should serve them and their work in God's kingdom and not serve money, as often is the case. Let's look just at the parable itself here. The parable is about a slave or a servant uh, who's on his way down. Um, slaves, we just need to make sure again everyone understands, we're not quite the same as what we think of uh, the slaves of a couple of hundred years ago. Uh, which was a terrible uh, blight on all of us. 
But some of the slaves in the time of Jesus there were actually trusted servants and they could rise to quite prominent places in households. And it seemed to be with this man. Um, And so here we have a man who's not been doing his job very well. And his master uh, decided to get rid of him. He's going to lose his position. And so this story is all about how he cushions his fall. How am I going to survive after I've been kicked out? And he devises this scheme which will permanently put other people uh, into his debt, obliging them to look after him. And the really clever bit about it is going to do that using his master's money. So he's going to look after himself in the future by using his master's money. In Jewish society of that time, it all worked around obligations and favours. If someone did something for you, then you were obliged to do something for them in return when they needed it. In our society, of course, that servant would have been sacked immediately. Uh, I was once made redundant, along with lots of other people, and uh, I was escorted off the premises. I had to give my badge in at the door. Um, I was on, I think, three months' notice and told to go away. We'll pay you for three months, but we don't want you in the building. Don't want you anywhere near. And that's what happens normally when people are made redundant, uh, when they have access to um, systems and various other things. But this man obviously didn't do it. And uh, he continued to do more damage after he left. And so he could deal with the the tenant farmers who um, gave the rent by giving a proportion of the money, of, of their goods, to the the person that owned it. And so he quickly reviews his master's creditors and he forgives a lot of the debt uh, by reducing their loan agreements so generously. Now this manager has uh, got these people in his control. According to that web of obligations, they now owe him a favour. He's become their benefactor and now they must help him when he needs it, and he knows that he's going to need it very soon. They owe him. He's just arranged his pension using his master's money. What's the meaning of this story? It's a strange story, isn't it? A story for Jesus to tell. What does it mean for us? I think it tells us something about how we should view and how we should use money and how we should not use money. And the first thing it tells us is that we should plan to do good with our money. It says the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light. But this manager was commended not for his deceit, but for his shrewdness or cleverness. And Jesus is saying that unbelievers know how to plan for the future. Take action so that they can get what they want. The point he is making that unbelievers are more shrewd in living by their worldly principles than believers are living by kingdom principles. If we would give as much attention to the things that concern our souls as we do to the things that concern our business, we'd be much better people, I think. We spend more of our time and our effort 
as things that please us, our hobbies, our interests, our leisure, than we do on spiritual things and things of the church. And our Christianity will only begin to become real and effective when we spend as much time and effort on it as we do in our other everyday activities. Just as the shrewd manager plans for the difficult times he knows is coming ahead, using all the resources available to him, we should do the same. The shrewd manager knew that his judgment day was coming. So we are to take a a similar view. He wanted a, a welcome wherever he would go when he lost his position. Jesus said we should take care of our future as well. Our eternal destination. There should be planning for that. We should place our eternal destiny above every other consideration. So we must use the resources we currently have to invest in our eternal future. What's our investment strategy for eternity? Jesus goes on to talk about how we should do that. He said money should be used to cement friendships. I tell you, use your worldly wealth to gain friends for yourself, so that when it is gone, you'll be welcomed into eternal dwellings. At first it may appear, this is where we've got to be careful with this parable, that Jesus is approving the system. But he's not actually saying that. Jesus immediately blows that away. So he says, so that it's when it's gone you'll be welcomed into eternal dwellings. We can use our wealth selfishly. We can use it to make life easier for us, for ourselves. Many people have been grateful to a better-off friend who saw that they needed something and then they did something about it. They helped them in a practical way. So as we have possessions, that's a responsibility, and we should use them to help friends so that they can be helped at a difficult time. The point Jesus is making, he's making it using this story about sleazy financial dealings, is that we should use our money for promoting the values of the kingdom of God. We should share what we have with others who need it, rather than just hoarding it for ourselves. Giving out help to people who have no call on you It's a startling contrast to the system of favour and obligation. And this would be one of the signs of the kingdom of God coming on earth. This new attitude to money that would replace this old system of obligation and favour. The right way to use money, he says, is in the service of the kingdom of God with kingdom principles, kingdom perspectives. As he says elsewhere, it's laying up eternal treasure in heaven. That's the best investment. Once the heart of a person is changed, then their value system is changed. And money should just be regarded as being in trust. Whoever can be trusted with very little 
can be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? The lesson here is that someone completes a small task, then it's the best proof of their fitness to be entrusted with a bigger task. That's how promotion should work, isn't it? But Jesus now extends that principle to eternity. Jesus said we are in charge of much things which are not really ours. Our money is his money. We can't take it when we go, can we? It's only lent to us. We are stewards of it. On the other hand, in heaven, we will get what really eternally ours. And what we get in heaven will depend on how we use our things on earth. What will be given to us as our very own for eternity in heaven will depend on how we use the things of which we are only stewards here. Do we plan our giving to the church? I know Christians in previous generations, when normal working people who didn't have very much, when they came home on a Friday night with a wage packet, it was opened and it was allocated along the mantelpiece as to how it was going to be allocated out. And very many Christians who didn't have very much, the first thing that was put in the mantelpiece, that's for the church. That's for the rent. That's for the food. What's there? It's this case of priorities where even people with not very much were putting the priorities in a kingdom way, looking at eternity. Are we shrewd about our giving? Do we use gift aid? Do we plan how much we will give or do we just put in the basket at the end there whatever happens to be in our pockets? Jesus commended this manager for his shrewdness, his cleverness with his money. And we should be shrewd, clever with our giving. All that we have in trust. Paul reminds us that Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. And then money should not be our top priority. No one can serve two masters, either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, of course, <laughs> it's quite common to have two jobs, isn't it? We have two masters. Uh, you can do one job during the day and another job at night. Um, in fact, that's a caricature of an islander, isn't it? <laughs> With all these different jobs, uh, the, the small jobs that they have here. But a slave had no spare time. Every moment of his day, every ounce of his energy belonged to his, his boss, his owner. He had no time on his own. In the same way, serving God can never just be a, a part-time job for us. Once we choose to serve God, Every moment of our time and all our energy belongs to God. And God is the most exclusive of masters. We either belong to God totally or not at all. Jesus said you cannot love God if you love money in the way that I've been talking about there. The Pharisees who were listening to Jesus 
they loved money. That was so important to them. They sneered at Jesus' teaching about money. This Jesus they'd often accused of being too lax about not keeping the rules is now too strict for them when it comes home and comes home to them in a place that they don't like when he talks about money. Let's just summarise what we've been saying here. It's a bit difficult. I found it difficult, and I'm sure you will as well. Jesus says just really three things here, just as we sum up. He said, don't serve money. Be glad to have it and be glad to give it away cheerfully, as we're told in Scripture. Money should not be so precious that we have to, something that we have to cling on to as our security. Let our wealth serve us and serve others, and we should not serve our wealth. Use our wealth to make friends. Just after this parable, there's another story, another parable that Andrew will be dealing with another day, I'm sure, about Lazarus and the rich man. I'm sure many of you know that story there. Lazarus was a beggar at the the gate of the rich man. But it was not in the mind of the rich man to do anything about Lazarus at his gate. Not to give money to this poor man who was sitting there. The rich man didn't have to look too hard to see a need to use his wealth. Someone was there who could benefit from his wealth, but he didn't help Lazarus. Lazarus, and it didn't help other people who were in need. We know that we don't receive eternal life uh, because we, we give, but because we have been given our salvation free of charms to us. But Lazarus there, if there had been contact between them, if he had given help to Lazarus, Lazarus could have told him about the eternal life that God had promised him. And if the rich man had put his trust in him, in Jesus, then it would have made such a difference to him. He wouldn't have ended up searching in, in hell looking for uh, some relief. But this poor man was ignored and neglected when a rich man was there with so many resources. He could have used his wealth to make friends in this life and had been welcomed into heaven along with Lazarus for eternity. And be trustworthy with money. The way that we handle money reveals our character, what we're like. If you look at your bank statement, it'll tell you something about your heart. Where does each of these items go to? And if someone is enslaved to money, I think their faith will be found to be very shallow. Faith and works go together. The man, the rich man there could have given something to Lazarus and it would have shown something of his faith. It did show something of his faith when he didn't do it. He didn't have any faith. We should use our money to show our faith to other people. Let's just finish with a quote from John Wesley. He said, Earn all you can. Save all you can. Give all you can. If you've ever got any time, read the life story of John Wesley. Look at his bank accounts. And it tells you how he became a very rich man. (coughs) 
But his expenditure stayed more or less the same throughout his life, and he gave away everything that was beyond that. Earn all you can. Save all we can. Give all you can.